0: Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. So uh, what can I say? This came up about in me, and I started praying about it and thinking about it, and I started seeing stuff in it, and I'm kind of excited. I'm always excited, but this is going this is kind of be fun and, and special, and I'm, uh, we're going to go a different direction as normal when I'm up here, so I want to talk about uh, boats and storms, boats and storms. That's the name of what we're going to talk about. It's the title of it. It's Boats and Storms. So let's let's start with Matthew 8. And we're going to verse 18 through 27. And these, these stories we're going to read in the Bible, you've heard many times. There's been several teachings on it, all kinds of good stuff. And it's always a good one to work with. But I saw some stuff in this that kind of got me thinking. And I started looking for things that uh, relate to this that happened in our lives, or not our lifetime, but something we can relate to. And I, I found an event that parallels these, this message. So we're going to have fun with it. I've got some helpers with me. We've got some special guests that are going to help me, so uh, we'll get there. So let's, let's read Matthew 8, 18 through 27. Now Jesus saw the great multitudes about him. He gave commandment to depart to the other side, I'll stop right there. There's several references to this in three, the three of the Gospels. And each time before this event occurred, Jesus was teaching lots of information and speaking to lots of multitudes of multitudes. And he was having to minister a lot. It was taking a lot out of him. And we, sometimes we miss it that this event that's going to happen here, there's a purpose. He needed it. He needed it to happen. He needed to, to function and not be an issue. because you've got to understand, everywhere he went, people were pulling from him. They were pulling from everything he had, everything he did. They were, they were just constantly trying to get him to give and to give and to, to teach and to, to heal. And everywhere he went <coughs> excuse me, everywhere he went was just constant pulling. And it was wearing. It was wearing physically, emotionally. And he was, you know, he's the son of God, but he's in a human being's body. And it's got to get rejuvenated, you know. It's got to get a chance to calm down, clear his thoughts, just relax and let the body heal a little bit. He was dealing with that just like you and I do. So this event had a purpose for him physically and emotionally. And I think what we find out why he got a little bit, well, let's just finish it. So verse 18, I'll read it again. Now Jesus saw the great multitudes about him. He gave commandment to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee wherever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, and again, uh, you know, here we go again. Everybody. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not not where to lay his head. He's he's saying, Will you guys give me a break? (laughs) I appreciate you want to follow me, but just give me a place. I I have no place to rest. And 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 the other of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me to go first and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Now, he's giving him a clue right here what to do. You follow me. You guys are hooked up with me? Follow me, right? Even though I'm tired, I'm beat up, and this guy just wants to follow me everywhere, he's telling his disciples, follow me. You follow me. He wasn't talking to the guy that, one of the scribes. He wanted the people he trusted, the ones he knew were starting to understand him, starting to learn of him, to follow me. And when he entered into into his ship, his disciples followed him. So they were obedient, get on the boat. Now he didn't tell them, didn't tell them to get in the boat. He said two things. At the beginning in 18, he said, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. And then he said to these guys, follow me. So they did. He walked out on a boat. He got on the boat. He went over on the land and found a bridge. They would have followed him going there. So he said, follow me. So that's where they went. They got in the boat. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Insomuch the ships were covered with the waves, but he was asleep. He's wore out, Right? He had to rest. That's what he wanted to do, rest. And as far as he was concerned, they were going to the other side. And his disciples came to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. I imagine after all he did and all the teaching he did and bore out as he was, he wouldn't just wake up that quick. You know, what's going on? Water splashing and these guys are all freaking out. And he said unto them, why are the fearful, O ye of little faith? Here he goes again. I've got to do this. He rose up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now, this is the key verse. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, even that the winds and the sea obey him? Let's look at the other, side. Uh, Mark 4 uh, 33 through 41. Mark 4, 33 through 31. Same story, same event. Now this occurred in Mark. He brings up right before this is the um, parable of the sower. It's a long dissertation, a lot of parable. And even says, let's start at 33. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Now that's, These guys that he trusted, he said, follow me. Because they were able to hear parables and understand it. He spoke to them that way. He wants them to get it, right? He wants them to understand. But without a parable spake him not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So he he dissertated what he was talking about. He went to the details of what the parable had to do with it. It goes back to the other verse. He's telling them, you guys follow me, Right? He said to him, follow me, not to the scribe, he said to these guys, because I'm imparting into you information that you need to have. I've got these parables to kind of help people understand, but I'm going to give you the detail of the parables, what they stand for. So they're getting the inside stuff. So these guys are getting fed with all this good information. In the same day, when evening was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. Here we go again. We're going to the other side. We're going to go to the other side Again. Follow me, listen to my words, we're going to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, so that tells us there was still a lot of people around milling and wanting to pull from him. They took him, him even as he was in a ship, and there was also with him other little ships. So this gives us an insight, it wasn't just one One boat. There was a bunch of boats going over. So there was several people. And it's again, it's the same thing he ran into. Where's he going? I don't know where he's going. We're going to follow him. So they start rounding up boats. Wherever he goes, follow him. Take off after him. He's going to talk. He's going to say something. We want to hear him. The guy just wanted to rest to get away from that. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was full. Now full. So we got water coming back in again. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Son of God, son of man, is asleep on a pillow in a storm. How can he sleep in a storm? How can he do that? But well, what did he say? Let's go to the other side, right? He told his guys, let's go to the other side, follow me, I need rest. So he goes and takes a nap. The boat's filling up with water. And what's happening to these loyal, great guys that he's trusted, and he's starting to put good stuff into them? And they say unto him, "Master, cares not that that we perish?" Now that's like an insult. He's, the, this man has t- chosen these guys to go with him and to impart into them the knowledge and the wisdom and the things they've seen, and he teaches them what they've seen, what, this, what they saw meant. And they go, "Master, don't you care? Obviously he cares. You know, he's putting stuff in them they've never heard before. He's seeing stuff. He's putting stuff into their hearts they've never heard before. This is New Testament word getting in them. They grew up with Old Testament information. He's completing that journey of the word for them. And they're starting to get this. They're getting this information. So he, why would they say to him, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? All right, so what did he say? We're going to the other side. Follow me. And here we go again. And he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Peace be still, he was not talking to the wind and the waves. He was talking to those guys. Because they were scared, they were full of fear, and he had no faith. He'd been parting everything he had into them, putting everything he had into them. And what was coming out of them... Didn't match what he had put into him, And he's saying, peace be still to them. You need to be quiet. You need to be calm yourself down. Yeah, there's a storm. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Stuff's banging and flopping and the boat's getting shook up. But you're full of fear. And he was speaking to that fear. Calm. Peace be still. The winds and the storm went away. They had no choice. But he was talking to them. Uh, verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now a couple of things had to happen here for these events to go on. They were going to go to the other side. They knew that. And they had to get in the boat, right? they got in the boat with him they made that choice to get in the boat with him they didn't have to get in the boat there's nothing in the scriptures that say anything about it. he said let's get in the boat and go to the other side and you think well it's a boat there's a lake Yeah, you're see. how else are you else going to get over there don't know but it doesn't say he told them they volunteered they decided to get in the boat with him <clears throat> now when they got in the boat was there any storm at that time None of of the accounts tell us that the boats, the waves and everything were really wicked and the the water was choppy. Do you think they would have got in the boat if it had been that way? I'll bet you you six of the 12 would have said, not today. He said, follow me. We're going to the other side. But the water was calm. When they got in the boat, there was no storm, right? So they didn't have any trouble having all this great faith and great strength and wisdom to do what to get in the boat so of course knowing me i bring stuff i brought us a boat <laughs> so they had no trouble getting in the boat right jesus is cool we're going or everything's fine a beautiful day to see the sea of Galilee looks great. Their faith is so great. They're faithful men. They've been given a lot of information. They're, they're, they're special guys, right? God picked them out. Jesus picked them out because God told them to. They're getting all this good stuff. Oh, it's easy to get in the boat when there's no storm, right? You've got a boat to get into in your life and there's no storm. <laughs> no problem. I'm, I'm with it. I'm right here. So they got in the boat with Jesus. What happens? The storm raises up. Now all these accounts, all these accounts, let's look, at Luke, let's look at Luke's account of it, Luke 25. It's the same story. Uh, I didn't give you the chapter, did I? <laughs> it's verse 8, Luke 8, verse 25. Chapter 8, verse 25. And he said unto them where is your faith where's that faith you had to get on this boat without any trouble where did it go where did your faith go did it get out of the boat did it fall out when the waves hit it where did your faith go and they being afraid wondering saying one to another what manner of man is this for he commandeth even the wind and the water and they obey it all three times They talk amongst themselves, and what do they call him? A man. What manner of man of this? So to me, they haven't been paying attention to what's really been going on all this time. They've been getting all this good stuff, but they're still thinking him as a man because they're looking at the situation going, you know, what manner of man is this? Now, my mind goes to why in the world, they're in a boat, a storm comes, it's going nuts, if they think he's a man, why did they wake him up? Why did they ask him? Why did they care? What, what, did, what was he going to do? He's a man to them, right? They're saying, what manner of man is this? Can you fix a storm if we got in a boat? No. Scotty, can you fix a storm if we got in a boat? No. So why are they, what are they asking him to do? Think about it. Think about it. They still look at him in this package that they haven't really understood yet. They don't trust him. The faith, faith is trust, right? They don't trust him yet. But yet they wake him up. But what do they think he's going to do? If they're going to perish, you know, it's just like waking each other up. We're going to perish. We're going to perish. Yeah, we're going to perish. They wake him up. Did they expect him to fix it? I guess they were just hoping something would happen. Because after he fixed it, it seemed to astonish them. Now, why did you wake him up? Why did you care if he slept? Why did you care if he didn't drown at the bottom of the boat? Right? He's your teacher, but they're not getting it yet, or they wouldn't say. Beside themselves, they were still scared. Everything. All three verses say, "No, they were still fearful." What manner of man is this? Who is this guy? If the winds and the waves even obey? They're thankful that it did, but that's not what their intent was when they first said it. They're just—they're going to die. And, and, and accusing him of not caring master don't you care okay my mind thinks so you're thinking he doesn't care but yet you're so surprised when he does something you asked him to do you asked him to help you don't you care we're going to perish you've drugged us out here you got us stuck in this stupid boat the boat's sinking now who made the choice to get in the boat they did they decided to get in the boat with him when the, way, when the waves were calm no storm I'll get in the boat with you right? I'll get in the boat, no problem. Now they're in the boat and the storm comes and they're freaking out and they go to him and want to know, don't you care? Don't you care about us? Do something. What do you expect me to do? Well, obviously they don't know that he's the son of God yet. They're calling him a man. They're not getting all the information and putting pieces together. I'm going to run out of time. This is excellent. Well, you guys got me going early. You didn't. My fault. Anyhow. So, they had great faith to get in the boat when there's no storm. So, when your lives are going along, and you need to get in the boat of healing, you need to get in the boat of finances, you need to get in the boat of fixing your family, you need to get in the boat of whatever's going on in your life, and you want to get in the boat with Jesus, it's a lot easier to get in the boat when there's no storm, Right? That's, that's, the, that's a piece of cake. How many times have we gotten, we we're in good shape. Man, my faith is strong, everything's fine, and there's nothing going on. There's no storms in our lives, so we have no problem. Oh, I'm a believer. I can put the word out in front of me. I trust the word. I trust God. Yeah, he'll fix it. It's, it's, I'm happy. I go to church with a smile on my face. I listen to Christian music on my radio in my vehicle when I'm driving back and forth. It's, everything's great. No problem. I had no problem doing that because there's no storm. Now, once you get trapped in a boat, and there's no storm, and you're fine, and you made the decision to get in the boat, right? You had to be the one to get in it, and you're in the boat, then a the storm comes. How many times do we want to get out of the boat? Because the boat's in the storm. I don't want this. When things start, pressure comes, and things start coming against us, we want to get out of the boat as fast as we can. We don't want to have to deal with the storm. I liked it better when I was in the boat when there wasn't a storm right? We went to Mackinac Island on vacation one time. You remember we went up there and uh, it was the end of the season. Everybody knows where Mackinac Island is up in upper Michigan, Lake Huron and all that. And It's a beautiful place. It's really neat. But you have to have a, a boat ride to get to it obviously. It's an island. Duh. So uh, we went up there and it was late in the season I actually think it was the end of the season for the island. They were getting ready to shut down. So we, we rode a boat. It's a big chart. It's a big, I don't know, probably holds 100 people or so. Two, two story kind of thing. And it goes out there. It's really cool. The big Mackinac Bridge. I mean, it's just fun. So we're out there, and it's, the winds are starting to pick up a little bit. So we have to go back. It's time to go back to the mainland. It gets real windy. It gets real windy. And I think you were, yeah, she wasn't real happy. We, her and I, we wanted to set up on the top because it's kind of like a double-decker bus. You're up on the observation deck. You can see better. And this guy is powering this boat. And it's a big boat. And it's hitting these waves, and it's just, boom! And the whole boat shakes, and boom! And the, the waves spray up, and she's freaking out. <laughs> That's not her favorite thing, anyhow. And that Mackinac Bridge is just, she doesn't like it. But anyhow... It was fun riding in that, but we decided to get in the boat. It wasn't a storm, but it was kind of neat. But the water was splashing, and we were having a blast. Just wham, and you could feel the boat shake, you know. So we get in a boat that's not in a storm, then it's in a storm. So it's a little spooky, but you get in a boat of something you need, and there's no storm in it. Everything's calm. It's easy to get in the boat of healing, of health, of finances, your family being healed, a new job, a new home. Uh, things going on great when things go smooth. I'm in the boat But things get a little rocky right get a little choppy when the storm starts coming up the boat rides not as smooth The boat rides kind of rough because that boat ride was rough it, the whole boat shook Water was splashing up over the front of the boat a little little it was fun, but it was a little, little spooky That's not fun when you're in the middle of a mess and You didn't want to be there because I started out. It wasn't a mess So what happens to your faith? What happens to your faith when all that goes on? What happened to these guys? What did he address? He addressed their faith, their fear and their faith. Right? He told them, told them to follow me. We're going to the other side. But yet they treated him as a man. They didn't quite get it yet. That's our first example. So, um, you know, it's, it's easy to trust him when there's no storms. Right? I'm not saying anything against any denomination, but there's denominations that, and we've gone to church at other places over the years, that <clears throat> storms confuse them. You, when they ha- when people have hard times in their lives and have problems, and you hear them talking about pray for this and pray for that, and, and sometimes they accept the storms as part of what they need to have. You've, you've heard teaching on that. And you've heard other churches. If You've been around other churches. they They or other denominations sometimes, they almost, almost like they take that storm as a great thing and they want, to, they want God to give them more storms because like get taught in the storm. God doesn't send those storms to us, right? He doesn't. Obviously, he didn't send the storm. If Jesus was, if God didn't take care of Jesus when he was in a boat to keep no storm, why did they have a storm? He's in the boat, right? Son of God's there. You think God say, nope, no storms while he's there let's keep it clean, just happens, it just rolls right up, he's there, right, the son of God's in the boat, and a storm came to him, so when a storm comes to you, it's tough sometimes, because you want to, you want to get out of it, you want to get out of the boat, and not deal with it, because it gets rough, and like I said, there's, and we've grown up in teaching in that, the churches we grew up as little kids, you know, storms come in your life, and it's okay, you know, just God's trying to teach you something, you know, he loves you, because he's going to show you something that And he wants you to go through this storm. There's some things in that storm that you're going to need to find out about, but he didn't put it in your life to do that to you. Okay, so getting in the boat, no storm. That's the the things we got to remember. And I kind of like that Matthew 8, 19, when that guy said, uh, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll bet you if the boat, if the boat had a storm against it, he would probably, um, I didn't really mean that. I didn't really mean I'd follow you anything. He liked to follow him when there was no storm. So I don't, again like I said, I don't think the disciples knew who Jesus was yet. I don't think they really grasped who he was. Because they kept saying what manner of man is this. Alright, let's uh, I think I'm going to have my Two visitors that are going to come up and help me. We've got two special guests with us this morning. Sharon, would you put our uh, picture up? The second boat ride I want to talk about <clears throat> does anybody know who, what this is? All right, we know what that's about. There's some things about this I got to reading about and studying. I thought, well, this is the same thing. This is exactly the same thing Jesus dealt with. The same kind of situation, same kind of scenario. Except there's a difference. And there's a key difference in this boat ride. So we've got two guests with us this morning. We've got General George Washington with us. And uh, we've got somebody special, James Monroe. Does anybody know who James Monroe was? He's a president. Remember which one? Fifth president, James Monroe. Well, he's with us. Okay, he's come to help us. Can you gentlemen come? This is, this is Mr. James Monroe, and we've got with us a special guest, Mr. George Washington, the general. So these guys uh, were involved in the, the crossing of the Delaware. Now the crossing of the Delaware was a special occasion, and there's some, you guys stay right here, there's some facts about that. Everybody probably knows your early American history. I didn't pay attention enough. I wished I had. Now I'm older, and I started studying this. It's like, I was telling her. <laughs> I was listening to a YouTube dissertation about it, and I'm tearing up hearing about some of this stuff, what actually happened. I'm thinking, why did I not pay attention while I was in school? That's awesome, you know, what actually happened, anointing what actually happened. So George Washington, everybody knows who he was, he was the commander of the Continental Army. Well, things weren't going too good for the Continental Army. This is 1776, this is close to Christmas, <clears throat> They were getting beat. The British were getting, the British were well stocked, well armed, highly financed by King George, I believe. They didn't want to give up the colonies. And they actually, the British had hired mercenaries, of the Hessians, which were Germans, to come help fight with it. I don't know if you remember pictures, the, the, the Hessians had kind of taller hats that almost looked like crowns, somewhat. Of course, the, the British were in red coats and had hats similar to our gentleman here. But the British didn't want to give up. And they were beating the, the, the colonies up, and these, these soldiers that were fighting were volunteers. They weren't as well equipped, they weren't as well clothed, and they had been beaten many times. And Washington, George Washington, they, they call this time, the, the crossing of the Delaware, to battle in Trenton the next 10 days when you read about it they say the next 10 day, those 10 days changed the world because if it didn't get done if washington and his men did not do what they needed to do we would still be servants in a colony of england there's facts about that there's other things it has gotten that bad the volunteers were starting to get discouraged the, the men were getting discouraged. The army was getting discouraged. Men were quitting. They were leaving. But this is wintertime when this is all going on. A lot of them didn't have boots. They had rags around their feet to keep themselves from freezing. They were freezing. It was cold. It, was, and it got super cold up in there. A lot of snow and, and freezing rain. And these guys were having to battle this. And they'd gotten beaten back several times. George Washington, he's a man of God. I've, we've read about George uh, doing homeschool and that he had an anointing on him and he realized something had to change if we didn't get this done this is our last chance this is our last opportunity now I'm going somewhere with this keep in mind Jesus in the boat right the storm wasn't there yet the guys get in the boat they had to get in the boat so a couple of things happen here at this that this occurred now this is the first time George Washington has led his troops into battle now he's had other generals he's had all kinds of generals a lot of them became founders of this nation. But this is the first time he realized that I have to be the one for them to change, for our, my men to have, not be so discouraged, to get reactivated, re-excited, to fight with everything they've got because this is it. I've got to be the one. Now, he, I know he realized that this could cost his life. And things happened in the next, from this event to the next 10 days that are amazing, and it's a miraculous that he still was still alive. He didn't care, he realized, but he had an anointing on him. And a couple of things he did with his troops is really important, but I want, I want uh, James Man- uh, Monroe here to read what the conditions were at this time. Put up. Hi. Nice and loud.
1: Okay. Washington crossed the Delaware River so that his army could attack an isolated garrison of Hessian troops located at Trenton, New Jersey. Washington's attack plan included three separate river crossings, but only one made it across.
0: Hang on a second. You hear that? Washington, he, he put a plan together, his generals, to make this work. They were in Pennsylvania, and they had to get across the Delaware River, and the Hessians we were in Trenton, which is right there by the edge of the river, and on up about 10 miles. in Princeton was a British garrison, and this was strategic ground they needed to get. And Washington thought, man, we can't take these guys unless I get some help. So he planned for two other groups of boats to come in at different areas around Trenton to distract the Hessians so Washington could get his men and attack them. And he had this all figured out. But the weather was, the storm... The storm was so bad, the rest of them couldn't make it. Okay.
1: Spies and deserters Deserters had informed the British and Hesans that Trenton was likely to be attacked.
0: Did you know that? There were spies in George Washington's hierarchy. There were spies that got took off and went to the Hessians and said, hey, the Continental Army's coming. I know what they're going to do. They're trying to do this. So here we've got anointing on a man that has to accomplish a task. And keep in mind that right now, the task that he had to accomplish affects you and me right now. What he had to do then, God had ordained him to do. He had a job to do. Just like Jesus had a job in the other boats to go to the other side and to minister and to do his thing, this man had an anointing that he had to accomplish. And all of a sudden, we've got spies in my, his camp telling the enemy they're coming. Because one of Washington's plans was, was to surprise the Hessians in Trenton. That was, his, that was his thinking he could get a handle on this. Spies go. Okay, keep going.
1: Washington's force used a collection of cargo boats and ferries to transport his men across the Delaware Experienced weathermen from New England and the Philadelphia area, a abil- Bly, guide, guided the boats across the challenging River.
0: Great. Okay. Stop right there. Did you hear that? That he, they got a bunch of boats, they, they found all they could get, and they had experienced men, boatmen, to get the boats across. Now let's go back to Jesus' time. What were the guys that were his disciples, most of them? Fishermen. Do you fish on the shore all the time? You fish out of boats. He had boatmen with him, correct? He had sailors that knew the sea. And the Sea of Galilee, they made their living off that big old body of water. Water happens, storms come, storms go. He had an A team in there that should know how to handle a boat, right? When it happens, they should know what to do. George Washington did the same thing. He got experienced boatmen to take the boats across. This is two stories that are exactly alike. Okay.
1: The crossing was made worse by the arrival of a strong storm that brought freezing rain, snow, and terrifying winds. Hold
0: the phone. We got a boat ride coming. And before we get in the boat, what happens? We've got storms. That's a crucial thing we pay attention to before we get in the boat. Got to get in the boat. The victory's on the other side. You got to get in the boat, but there's a storm before you get in the boat. Remember Jesus' guys? No problem getting in the boat. Commas, that's no problem. Storm comes up after we're in the boat. These guys had to get in the boat when the storm was already there.
1: The continent, no, no, sorry, Washington's carefully planned table time was woefully behind schedule and Washington contemplated canceling the attack. The continentals brought a great quantity of art, art literary, artillery Artillery. across the river. Okay.
0: Did you hear that? Did... Washington had it all figured out if he could get across now they did this at night which is scary and treacherous but there was a reason again what's his end result to get across I know if we can get over there he, he knew there was a victory there he hadn't seen the victory he knew there was a victory there but he had to get to the victory and to get to the victory was this storm and to get across the, across the river was a battle he did everything he knew to do, got support from other groups, they couldn't make it. He got experienced boatmen to get him across. This is this is a bunch of big time things to have happen. And he started getting discouraged because of what? The storm. Before they get on the boat. And, and what did it say? Right here. Read it again, number seven.
1: Washington's carefully planned timetable was woefully behind schedule and Washington completed canceling the attack.
0: He knew in his heart they had to do it. This is what they had to do. But the storm came up so great, it even discouraged him. It took his what did it do? It took his focus off of where he needed to go. The storm was in between him and the end result. It was so great. It even made him have a discouragement. How many times has that happened in your life? You have got ready to get in a boat, the storm's already there. The boat is my healing, the boat is my victory. I've gotta to get to the other side. The word says if I get over there, I've got it. I know I've got it. The storm gets so great. <clears throat> How many times do you get discouraged because of the storm the way it looks? You haven't even gotten in the boat yet. The storm is so massive. It looks terrible. What am I gonna do? A guy that knew he knew they had to do something. They had to accomplish this task, and the storm became so great that he was discouraged. Which to me says, "Forget it. Just forget it. We're done." You know. But yet, what was inside of him? That anointing, that that drive. He knew they had to accomplish this task. He'd already planned, like number. David just read. Excuse me, James Monroe had just read that they even brought, he brought artillery, they had horses, they took a whole bunch of stuff they wanted to take over. It wasn't just going to run over and pop these guys with their muskets. He was bringing everything. He was bringing the whole thing he had. It's it's do or die. And knowing we had to get there, once we got there, we're going to have to defend ourselves and, and stay there. He brought it all. He had the word in him how to accomplish the task. Just like our disciples had the word in them, They had been given parables and Jesus took them aside and explained the parables to them. They had that information, those parables. The teaching was inside of them how to get the job done, right? They had all that information inside of them. Washington knew what to do. He had his generals lined up. He had the other boats lined up. He knew how to get there. He knew what to do because it was their, their only shot. So George Washington started getting concerned, but... One thing George Washington did before they took off, before they left, um, he had had his generals read to the men before they left to encourage them, to get them motivated. Here we go, same thing, talking about the parables, explaining the parables to his men. George Washington did the same kind of a thing. What was his name, Thomas? Thomas Paine. No, no. Hmm? Thomas Paine, Paine, right. Thomas Paine was an author back then, but he also was involved in the war, and he wrote as the war was falling apart. And some things were called common sense, and another one was called American in Peril. And George, it was a little handbook, and George Washington had his men read, I mean, had his generals read to his men before they took off, because he wanted them to get the story of the parable, to understand what the parable's about, just like Jesus did. So Mr. George Washington, this is one of the key ones he read to these men before they left, before they get in the boat, the storm's there before they get in the boat. He read this to them.
2: Go ahead. These are times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will. In this crisis, shrink from the service of their country, but he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph.
0: Let's read that again, please. Again.
2: These are times that try men's souls the summer soldier, and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country, but he that stands it now, deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph."
0: And then neat? he realized his men were discouraged. Things that happen. But what did, he, what did he reference to? The summer soldier, the sunshine patriot. These are fair weather people. These are fair weather warriors. He's looking for men that will, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the storm looks like, because what he's talking about, the ones that are, it's okay, uh, I think I'll pass on this one. They'll shrink. They'll shrink away from the, the love of their country, all the things that has to happen he realized that the ones that would go through the storm with him are not summer soldiers or summertime warriors, not wuss. I need people to stand with me. And he got those guys taught before they got in the boat, before they got in the storm. Now, Jesus taught his guys, but they still didn't see who he was. Now, you've got to understand that up to this point, the Continental Army was, like I said, volunteers, and these guys became and learned to trust George Washington at this time. This stuff being read to him, to them, instilled in them, trust in him. That he has the right thing, he has the right plan. I'm going to ask you which two scenarios we've got here Jesus in the boat and his disciples, George Washington and his men. Which ones were, were walking by more faith? Truly walking by faith, getting in the boat. Washington's. It's hard to say. You think, oh, it's the disciples, it's Jesus, it's got to be them. No. Who had more faith in what they had learned, the information they had in their heart, the stuff they had been given? Who had more faith to get in that boat? We had guys that had comboats, no storm it was easy to get in the boat now we got that's right we've got guys that are looking at the storm before they step a foot in the boat they still have to get in the boat they still have to they're volunteers and another problem was this was christmas actually they started this on christmas day getting ready and christmas evenings when they made the trip in 1776 a lot of these guys that had volunteered their commissions were expiring at the end of that year He was losing, even some had left, he was losing a whole lot of his men in about, what, eight days. He knew all that. And yet these guys, and think about, we're not in a battle area of our lives where we've got army and a lot of military people in here. We've got some, but when you get close to your, let's put it this way. When you get, who, who loved graduating high school? got done with high school, finally. Remember, you knew the date coming, couldn't wait, I know when I'm gonna graduate this day, this is when we're gonna do it. You went to college, you knew the date you were graduating college, you got excited because it's over with, I'm about done. We think about the mess these guys were living in, walking around with rags on their feet to get through the snow and the ice. You think they're not thinking, man, eight more days and I'm done, I'm out of here. This thing, and the whole country had looked at this Like, this is falling apart. We're not going to be able to do this. They were starting to get information back that they were getting beat. And on the other side, the enemy, excuse me, was looking at it. (laughs) We got this. These guys are falling apart. They were looking at George, uh, General uh, Cornwell and some of the other British or generals, knew that these guys were falling apart. We can just hang in there. We've got them. This will be all done. This will stay a territory of the... Uh, kingdom of, of England, we can go home. So all this is occurring all at the same time. These are storms that you didn't see. These are storms that are battling him and this, this, this great group of men getting ready to, they're getting ready to uh, expire their uh, commitment. They can go home. They can go back to their family. Probably some of them are like, you know, I'm tired of fighting this stuff. We get beat up and get hurt, and my best friend got killed and, or maimed. He said, I want to go home. I just want to let England run us. I don't care. But what did George Washington do? He started speaking to them words of encouragement before they got in the boat with the storm. You've been speaking, spoken to lots of words of encouragement in your lives. You've been fed. You've been fed good things. You're not summer soldiers. You know, you're not sunshine patriots. You're well-seasoned. But we still have a hard time getting in the boat when we see the storm. And when we get in the boat of our lives and go to the directions we need to go and a storm raises, we still have a hard time wanting to get out of the boat. I'm going to go back. Forget it. I'm not wanting to take this ride. Right? But inside, we've got the information. So George Washington put that in his men. So I'm going to ask George, get your sword. Mr. Monroe, would you get your oar, please? We're gonna simulate our picture here, our great photograph. Gentlemen, George, would you take your, Mr. Almost President, get in the front of the boat. We got James and Roe in the back of the boat. We've got men in the boat. They had to get in the boat, right? Did you see them step in the boat? Right? They stepped in the boat, because I asked them to. But they stepped in the boat, right? They stepped in the boat. They didn't have to get in the boat, they could have gone back home. Uh, operation like this in dark, half these guys could have left and George Washington probably wouldn't have known it. Right, it's a mess. Snowing, when they got ready to do this, it was 11 o'clock at night, a blizzard came up. The wind was blowing, but they still got in the boat. Now the picture we're looking at was actually done by a German artist. Right? Listen to this, this German artist saw what happened, heard what happened, was so motivated because he wanted his countrymen to understand what it meant to have someone that you trust and lead. And he, his, there were some writings by him, and he said, I want them to understand what it means to get in the boat. And so he made this picture. The, the boats they used were a little more like a barge because if you look back in the back, off to the right, you can see some horses back there. They took horses, they took guns, cannons, so they were kind of barges that had been used to go across that river. But it was just like this where there's ice in the river. The river's freezing over. The currents were strong. It's, some, of, some of the writings I listened to or saw about some of the soldiers said, I've never seen wind, wind so strong, snow so strong. It was a blizzard. Now, they occurred that as they getting ready, they're in the boat getting ready to go. So got, the storm got worse. They're in the boat already going, and the storm gets even worse than it was. How many times has that happened in your life? You got in the boat. Okay, I'm going to do this. The storm's coming. I'm in the middle of this storm. And you get going and you're believing God. You got the word in you. You're really standing by faith. You're trying to get to some place. You're trying to get victory in your life. And what happens? The storm gets worse. And you know what happens? You go, it's not working. The word doesn't work. Right? Right? We're all human beings. We say it to ourselves, it doesn't work. I'm in the middle of this mess. I got in the boat. Because I trusted God, I got in the boat because I trusted the word. And the storm's worse, right? Well, these guys got in the boat because of who they trust. They trusted George Washington. First time he's ever led a, his army himself personally. That's why this picture was put this way. It's like he's he's at the front. The, this boat, his boat's in the front of everybody else. He's leading. He's a, he's an inspiration. He's put word into them to get them inspired to do the job, get their mind off the rags on their feet, fighting ice and snow to get across. In this picture, uh, Fifth President Monroe was actually in the boat. That wasn't exactly how it occurred, but he was at the battle. But it makes it look good. So, we've got these great men in the boat going across. Okay, gentlemen, you can go sit down. Thank you. Thank you for your help.
2: <laughs>
0: so I need to talk a little bit more about what happened, and I don't want this to be an, a, a history lesson, but it, there's, there's things here we've got to know. Um, George Washington, like I said, planned on getting to Trenton, to be there, ready to go, armament, horses, all this extra stuff at daybreak. And there's, history wrote that the Hessians, this is Christmas Day, Christmas night when they came. So the 26th, they was going to attack them in the morning, daybreak. It took three to four hours longer to get over than he had planned on. So he's, he, and he actually had his, his troops were farther upstream from Trenton he didn't go right to Trent. They, they came in and were kind of kind of sneak in. And he needed these other guys on the other boats that didn't make it to distract the Hessians so he could come in and conquer them. None of that happened. The storm got worse. His plans fell apart. It didn't look like what he planned worked. The word that you had in you in your storm that you thought you get the storm gets worse, you think the word doesn't work. It's exactly what happened to him. The word that he had in his heart, that he knew this is what will work. This is how we can do this. Fell apart. He could have stopped because he didn't trust himself. He didn't trust his word. He didn't trust his generals. Nothing's come. Nothing's going right. All these other guys are supposed to. This is I can do this, but I can't do it now. What am I going to do? He didn't stop. He just kept going through the storm. He kept on going. It looked worse when they got to land. It looked worse. Snows blowing, cold, rainy, nasty. Men in men in rags trying to march. They had to march several miles to get to Trenton. So they come in to attack this mess in the daytime. His plan was a daybreak attack, have it surrounded, could take the Hessians without any trouble. There was 1,500 Hessians stationed in Trenton. So he goes ahead and starts attacking. Now some of the history stuff says that the Hessians were drunk because they had celebrated Christmas, the generals were still hungover because they had celebrated Christmas Day. And the spies, when the spies came over and told them, the Hessians were kind of getting ready, but then the storm got so bad, now this is cool, the storm got so bad that the enemy calmed down and backed down because they didn't think the attack was coming. Now think about that. So you get in this storm and you've got your boat down here and we're in the middle of the storm, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. And the enemy sees that you're engulfed by the storm, and the storm's getting worse, and he's piling all this on you. And you're, It's like we're hiding in this storm. It looks like it's worse to us, but it's giving us a covering. It's giving us protection to get through. So when you get in the middle of this battle, and the storm is so great, and it looks like it's even bigger, keep in mind... But you're still God's child. He still loves you. And the word that he put in you is still just as strong as it was when you were back here or you were getting in the boat when there wasn't any storm. That same word of encouragement through his word, just like George Washington encouraged his men, was still inside of them. But that storm confused the enemy. The storm is throwing at us everything he's got, and it looks like we're discouraged, but he confused the enemy. Now, that, that story about the Hessians being drunk and hungover and being not what it is, it's, <laughs> it's the way of explaining how these ragamuffin, ill-fed, underclothed, probably half the bullets they needed to have militia takes that town. And they, they conquered them. They got them. 22 Hessians were killed. Just a few... Revolutionary Continental soldiers were hurt and killed. Almost a thousand Hessians, they surrendered. Their general, uh, I can't remember his name, came out. He was asleep. All of a sudden, there's this battle going on. He comes out, and in the middle of this battle, he, did, he knew they might be coming, but he didn't expect what they had. And these guys, the, this, the Americans had such passion, such strength, and they, they were going to fight no matter what. They, and he, they accepted what George Washington had told them. And encouragement and they were ready and they took them on and the Hessians saw this and their general gets shot he gets killed almost a thousand Hessians put their arms down. Two hours is all it took. Think of the storms. Think of the storms before. Think of the things it took. And think of the storm that engulfed them and misled the enemy. God didn't give them that storm, but God gave them a passion and a heart to do what they needed to do to get to the victory. And the Hessians, a thousand Hessians, put their arms down. These ragamuffin guys with rags on their feet. But they got encouraged to get through the storm. Okay. That event right there, started a chain reaction for the next nine days of George Washington battling the, the uh, British Army. The British got word of it. They were in Princeton. They started coming down to George Washington. He was encamped in Trenton. They left and came back, brought more stuff. So the British, the British are heading towards Trenton. Continental Army stationed there. They know they're coming. And there's this, there's this creek that's on the road to Trenton. But George Washington sent a few guys out ahead of time to kind of mess with the British soldiers that were coming down the roadway. And this is, this is uh, it's about eight miles between Trenton and, and, and uh, Princeton. And these Continental soldiers would shoot at them and fire, fire at them and then take off, just to kind of mess with them. And they'd kill a few, and it just kind of messed with the British, and the British were really strong. Uh, the General Cornwall sent everybody he had, because he, he wasn't going to have this. He wasn't going to have these little guys take us out. So they get down there, they get across, the, and there's a creek there and a bridge. But George Washington was stationed on one side of the bridge, and the British were trying to come across, and they, they battled on this bridge three times, and the Continental Soldiers drove the British back off that bridge. Well, so it's got nighttime. So on the one side of the creek, George Washington had his men build fires big bonfires, excuse me, and the British had got reinforcements, and they were all ready. They were getting their armors, armament together, muskets, their cannons, they're going to attack at daybreak George Washington's Continental Army, and they figured they could do it. We can do this now. we got enough help. They've all came, and they saw these fires across the creek, and they heard shovel digging, and it sounded like the guys were, encom- were getting dug in, the Continental Soldiers were, and we got these guys. They're, They're giving up. They're going to give up. In the morning, we're going to just attack them with everything we got. Meanwhile, George Washington takes his Continental Army and goes around on back roads and outflanks these guys. You know what it says when they flank them? They go behind them. The British didn't even know they were coming. They go to Princeton to attack the British garrison up there, okay? So, this is all going on. The British don't know they're gone. So up, we've got this happening through the night, and what had happened was it got so cold and so frozen that the ground became so hard that those men could march through the night without any problem. Before they were dealing with snow and ice and muck and mud, it had frozen everything up. They could make that in run around behind to get prepared. So they start going back and forth, and there's some more battles going on and the British and the Hessians are tied together now. They're all teamed up and one of the George Washington's um, smaller commands was on a road going up that way and ran into the British and they started fighting. Meanwhile here comes George Washington after taking care of Princeton, comes down there with his men, reinforcements. Have well, you've, you seen pictures of how they fight? It's kinda of wild. They'll line up in straight lines The British were bad about that. They'd line up in straight lines and they'd march towards the enemy and the enemy's down here in straight lines and they're marching towards each other and they just start, you know, killing each other. It's just weird, but that's how they fought. It was like the gentleman's way of fighting. So here they are lined up. We've got the Continental Soldiers, Washington's reinforcements, the British are over there with the Hessians. Here comes George Washington riding between the two lines on his horse. This is this is anointing. It's a miracle. He's riding his horse between the two lines, and he yells, fire! He's on his horse with his sword, yelling, fire! Well, everybody, they used muskets back then, and smoke, and they fire, and it just can't see anything. And guns are just boom, 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 boom. Both sides, just boom, 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 boom. And one of the American generals takes his hat. He's one of General, uh, General George Washington's aides. He puts his head in his hat, The general's dead. You know, he's between the two lines, riding his horse, yelling fire. As the smoke cleared, George Washington, still on his horse, not hit. His anointing that led those men, his anointing of word, his anointing of faith, his anointing he put in them, instilled them to accomplish what they had to the point he would step in the way of the battle, in the battle, to make sure they accomplished the task just like our Lord did. He told us to go to the other side. Follow me. He gave us information. He feeds it with his word. He wants us to get that victory to the point he got in the way of us not making it. He got in the way of the bullets for us, right? So we didn't get killed. He got in the way of the bullets, got in the way of the desire of people to try to destroy us, Satan trying to take us out. He got in between that line of the enemy and us to protect us, but he took all the bullets. He took all the, all the things coming at us. He took them all. He rode that white horse between the two lines, yelling, fire, I'm ready. I'll take it for you. Same thing George Washington did. But that battle in George Washington turned the tide. It, 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 the war went on for six more years, but it was great passion. The Americans got so excited, the men re-enlisted during that battle. Between battles, they re-enlisted. The ones that were going, I'm not quitting. I'm going to do it. This guy's got it. You know, and even the, gener- the generals in the British Army realized at that time, these guys can do this. These guys, are, we, we're in trouble because we thought we had this War I and here they come and they pull this off in such a great battle and such a great victory for them, but they saw a change of heart. So they made it through a storm that looked really bad. And they probably had a lot more storms in their lives for the next six years until the war was over with and we got our freedom. But think about it, if they had given up in the storm, what would have happened in their lives and for us? But think about what Jesus would have what would have happened if Jesus would have gave up in the storm. When he put himself in place of our being destroyed, if he had said, I can't do this, it's just too much, the storm's too great. What would have happened if he hadn't done what he did? We all know what that means. So we have an opportunity here to get in the boat. Whether there's a storm before we get in the boat, of your healing, of your needs, to get in the boat, to trust the word, to go to the victory, to go to the final result where you need to go, you're the one that has to get in the boat. Don't care if there's a storm or not a storm. Don't worry about it. You've got encouragement in you. You're not summer soldiers. You're not fair weather warriors. You're, you're the Continental Army. You're the ones that have great resolve. Remember I told you that the Hessians were drunk and all that? That's not true. They proved they weren't. And it would be just like Satan when you got a victory in your life to try to poo-poo it that it wasn't such a great thing. Because if, if that was true, that the Hessians were hungover and drunk when George Washington's army came, and the generals were still hungover and drunk, not knowing what they were doing, what's that mean? That means it was an easier victory. It wasn't such a hard victory. It wasn't such a great thing, right? So, but that's not true. That's not exactly what happened. They fought with everything they had. The generals fought with everything they had. It makes the victory a great victory. If they were drunk and, and weak and not with it, that wouldn't be such a great victory, would it? It wouldn't sound so good. And how many times has that happened in your life? When you've gotten a victory over something, you've made the boat ride, you've got to the end result, and Satan kind of poo-poos it. Oh, that's not such a big thing. What happened in your life that the healing that you got wasn't that great, no big deal. It really wasn't. You were probably gonna get well anyhow. Your finances got straightened out. Well, you know, things have changed, the economy's doing better, you're gonna come out better. How many times has that happened in your life? Where you've gone to that victory side and Satan has tried to make it look like the victory that you got, not that big a deal. In reality, it's a very big deal. And he knows it. So that's what I wanted you to see about the Hessians not being drunk. They were very Good fighters. One reason the British hired them, because they were Germans. They knew what they were doing. They were very good fighters, well trained. It's so ironic that what, seven how many hundreds years later, the Germans are fighting the British in World War II and World War I. Isn't that kind of weird? They hired them to get their country. Side point. But anyhow, so keep in mind when you get your victory, because you'll get your victory. You get in the boat, you gotta get in the boat. You get in the boat, you get through the storm, no matter what the storm looks like, whether the boat's bone dry to start with or you get in the middle of a mess as you start going, remember that you are going to make it. You're going to make it. You've got it in you. And when you get the victory, don't poo-poo it. Don't downplay it. But realize And what happened, what happened with the Continental Army, that first, that great victory that turned the tide. They had so many more battles after that, so many more engagements but they were highly motivated. And they remembered Trenton, and they remembered Princeton. They remembered the victory of the war they had before, the battles they fought, the storm they went through. They persevered. It gave them great encouragement. So the next storm, that's not such a big deal. I've been through the storm back here. I've been through ice and snow and bullets and saw my general go between, you know, the enemy and me and come out victorious. You've got that to carry with you. So the next storm you get in, because Remember Jesus' boat. No storm. Storms came. Storms are coming. The next storm you run into, remember where you came from. Remember the storm you went through, how you got through it. Encourage yourself. We made it through that storm. It was rough. I remember how bad it was. I remember how discouraged I got. But I remember I made it through. I got the victory. So the next time you're in a storm, And I'll guarantee you the next storm's going to look worse and worse and worse. But if you take it, this isn't such a big deal. I've got this. I'm well trained. I'm not a summer soldier. I'm not a fair weather warrior. I'm a highly trained battler and warrior. We sung about being battlers at this. And that's who we are. You guys good? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the passion it brings to us, the desire to live for you, be you, carry you, take you, everywhere we go. We thank you that you give us the tools and the ability to get in the boat. We thank you you give us the strength and the wisdom and the understanding, no matter what the boat looks like, like the storms look like, where we're going, that we know we have you and we know we are going to make it. We praise you and glorify you. We worship you with all we have. We thank you again for your word, your voice, your spirit. We thank you for the the love that you pour out on us. That anything that we need, you're there taking care of. But we most of all thank you, Father, that your son got between us and the enemy and took all those bullets for us. Took everything for us. We know we don't have destruction on our end result we don't have destruction of us when we get to the other side we've got victory in you because you blazed the path you put it in place you opened the door you took all that for us we thank you for the strength father to get in the boat to walk in it to step in it no matter what it looks like fair or bad we trust you what you put in us We thank you that it just keeps pouring over us. You give us confidence. You give us strength. You give us wisdom. You give us heart. You give us word. All that you are, we thank you for it, Father. We worship you with it. We glorify you with it. Father, I thank you. Bless all these great people as they head out today. Under your anointing, your blessing, protection, and abundance. And as they get in their boats and go through the storms of their lives, walk in the confidence that this word comes up inside of them, that they know who they are, they're able to do it, and that you're our head, and you're the one we're following. You've blazed the trail, and you've put things in order in place for us to make it. So We thank you for it. We glorify you with it. We worship you with all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go blessed. Thank you for being attentive. Have a great day.